0: Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it, because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to berrycats.com click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever
1: it didn't even enter my brain as something i needed to care about because it was like okay if the jokes are strong the set is very good structured almost flawlessly in my opinion it should be like who cares what it looks like it's just gonna look like every other special it's that slipped past me and much to my regret because i watch it i'm just like man I, i hate the colors i hate the jacket you know my hair looks stupid all of it but you know that that just this is a learning opportunity.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Great to have you here. Very excited. Montreal such an incredible festival. Got such an incredible episode today with Nimesh Patel. Oh, you're gonna have a great time, so inspirational. If you need to reach me, you can do so at Katz at X or Instagram or at BarryKatz.com. Without further ado, I want to introduce this guy and get right to it because what this guy has to say and his trajectory and his journey are unlike many others in the business. And he's a guy who can figure anything out, make anything happen, and always win. Nimesh Patel was born in New Jersey in 1986 to immigrant parents. His family came from the United States, from India in the 70s, and his father came to Newark, New Jersey. Patel moved to New York City and attended New York University, where he started out as a pre-med student and lived in the city ever since. He graduated with a degree in finance in 2008, but I guess... It wasn't necessary. After graduating college, Patel began working during the day and performing stand-up at the Stress Factory by night. In 2015, he was doing stand-up in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, when he was discovered by Chris Rock. Patel then joined Rock's writing team for the 88th Academy Awards ceremony. He also wrote material for Hassan Minaj's 2017 White House Correspondents Association dinner appearance. In 2017, Patel got a huge break and began working as a full-time writer for Saturday Night Live, mainly writing jokes for Weekend Update. In 2018, Patel was nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing for his work on Saturday Night Live. He then appeared on At Midnight, Comedy Knockout, and Late Night with Seth Meyers in the next few years, and has also been featured as a comedy and politics panelist at the Foreign Affairs Symposium at Johns Hopkins University. He's produced and performed two critically acclaimed specials, Thank You China and Lucky Lefty. In addition to being an extraordinary writer and actor known for his unique comedic style and sharp wit, Nimesh holds the distinction of being the first Indian American writer for Saturday Night Live. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce Nimesh Patel. Hi, Barry. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You got the hoodie going. I've never had a guest that wore the hoodie over his head. I feel like I should go back and get my hoodie over my head. I'm
1: just perpetually cold. I
0: know we can shut the air conditioning off. No,
1: it's fine. It's fine. You know
0: what? I learned one thing. If I learned one thing from David Letterman. Uh you walk into that studio and it was like freezing cold and you're like what the i so uncomfortable and he told me that uh the
1: reason he did that he says comedy goes with cold comedy doesn't go with hot yeah people tend to like i think there's everyone's senses are a bit heightened when you're cold and so like that means listening uh see everything is just heightened when you're warm it's you're comfortable you kind of slouch just like, oh, what's gonna happen so and i don't
0: with mind my, the with my voice i need comfortable and attentive <laughs> yes fall asleep at any
1: time for it's sure be a horrible thing for you no you sound great man i have so many things to ask you oh here we go oh this is a, oh but, man uh, uh, excellent <laughs> but the first
0: thing i want to talk to you about is like the process of being somebody who isn't necessarily in a group that is taking comedy by storm uh-huh. and having to figure out how to navigate through a certain world and stage of when comedy is the way it is and who the stars of comedy are then, and breaking through into a world that's not technically shown that it's your lens of a world in comedy do you know what i'm saying like, i i think i follow uh in other words like you go to uh, you know when i was in long meadow massachusetts i i wanted to go to the country club but it was restricted oh god
1: you know it was no jews allowed there uh we don't have any of those signs up in the comedy clubs just yet <laughs> but uh you'd be surprised but anyway uh, for for me You know, when I started in August of 2009, the only two pioneers, so to speak, in the Indian field were Russell and Aziz, and uh, Hasan was doing comedy, um, and Mindy was on television. Uh, But uh, there was... Some people could see that as like a lack of representation, and to me, it just meant there was opportunity to be had. Um, and I never saw it as a brace or anything to be a barrier. It was just like you know, generationally, there's not enough, there's not many of us because it's not a known thing in our community that's something you could do in the Indian community, but like now, you know, for the past i guess four years of just five years i think it's just been a very entrepreneurial endeavor and it's like you're just with the if i look at the stand-up as a product i'm just trying to create a niche for said product um or a market for said product well i find when i watch your comedy uh
0: for the most part you're clear let me explain please that if i were to close my eyes and listen to your album only Mm -hmm. or if i were to be blind and if i were to remove certain pieces of material for the most part you're just it's your point of view on the world it's not the fact that you're you know where you're from or where your family's from Mm -hmm whereas other people like if you you know if you watch even the greatest comedians of all time you know like dave chappelle or chris rock you know you're not going to get very far if you're playing a drinking game every time they mention race you drink
1: you're going to be drunk after about 20 minutes uh well you know i think when i when i started it was a very conscious decision uh to not talk about being indian not from a Indian stuff position, but from a, I felt like Russell and Aziz to a certain extent, but Russell mostly had kind of set that table very clearly about what it was like to grow up as an indian person because his special the one that leaked on youtube was probably the, the, the 30 minute one the one that made him yeah. like a like mega star yeah. like in 04 that it yeah. came out like it was i guess he'd done it on canadian television yes and someone ripped it somehow and went yeah. up on youtube and i remember seeing that in 2004 as a freshman at nyu because my uh the only other indian guy on my floor at nyu that was indian like was a call me into his dorm room like yo we gotta see this and it was just like oh yeah he just kind of nailed everything about being Indian uh in that and then fast forward five years later when I started comedy like being Indian wasn't like at the forefront of my brain it was never an unusual thing to be Indian right it was never like uh, to me growing up in Parsippany, New Jersey I was surrounded by Indian people. So I never felt other. I never felt the need to explain what it was like to be me, because at least in the Northeast it was always like everyone knows what it's like to be Indian. Everyone has, at least I thought. Like, hey, everyone's Indian. Like we this is what it's like. And so could couple that with the fact that people the comics that I wanted to be, or the comic that I wanted to be, was Chris right like that Chris big rock yeah bigger and blacker was the special one of the greatest like there's still probably my fate it's my favorite special elephant in the room is a close second patrice's but like, i mean what's what's fascinating
0: about that special is that you know you, you have somebody you're watching if you watched him as long as i watched him you remember him Standing with his feet planted, Chris, with the mic stand in front of him and the stool, and just again, I, 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 it's so ingrained in me. I would talk about this till I die. The five minutes of Fat Albert being a racist cartoon and Bill Cosby being Mm -hmm. racist—that was the first five. And then, so when you don't watch somebody for a while, they disappear on the road, they work on something, and then a special comes out and you're watching them move like that and you're watching them in front of an all-black audience which i never well i'm I'm, i'll amend that because i used to go to the uptown comedy club and places in harlem but for the most part saw all almost all of his sets in front of a white crowd Uh and then to do that kind of material in front of your own audience and your own people when you know it's like when jim jeffries does the gun control bit he knows he's going in to do the bit and he knows the enemy is out there yeah but he still goes in where the enemy is and takes it and wins the battle yep and so go back with what you're saying chris was your favorite comic
1: yeah yeah, i mean watching chris do that like that was the the scope of stuff i wanted to talk about like from the jump was like society and politics and my view of how the world works not necessarily this is what it's like to have parents that want you to be a doctor because to me that was such a cliche thing it remains that and i i talk about it now because i think i found a different angle at the whole thing but from uh when i started it was like okay like these are the comics i wanted to emulate this is the comic i wanted to be um let's talk about that and then you know i started consuming i never watched stand up i never listened to albums i was i'm not one of these like i love comedy i've always wanted to be a comedian people comedians i just kind of fell into it and so when i started comedy i was like let me consume stuff and that's when i heard of mitch hedberg and hannibal i was like so my hannibal verse yeah when my at the beginning of the comedy career like i tried one-liners i tried that kind of very wry observational um approach to jokes and i have still like kind of uh utilize those techniques in that kind of uh viewpoint in some of my stuff but when i started it was like let's do let's talk about the world and like i it wasn't until until I became friends with Aziz, that he was just like, only talk about, like, the best way to get material out and have it stand out is to only talk about what only you can talk about. And Aziz told me that. And I was like, that's, I think Chris told him that. And it was just like one of these, like, kind of moments for me. I was like, oh, that's very, uh, uh, that's a great approach because. I learned very early that it doesn't matter if you have what you think is the best take on something or police brutality or whatever. You're three years into comedy. No one gives a shit about your take on police brutality. You haven't earned the, the right to talk about these things, even though I thought I did have the right to talk about them. That's what I did, and that's why I did that. But like now, maybe, hopefully, if I get to a larger platform, I will be able to relay my thoughts on the world. But If when 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 for sure when but uh, uh i'd say you're doing okay i'm doing
0: all right yeah i'm doing all right and i want to talk about that too sure. i also want to talk about what you just said because i have like this slightly skewed philosophy mm-hmm. of what you had said you know obviously you're going to be better in life if if you walk through life being who you are as opposed to somebody or not mm-hmm. but you know i sit in the cellar at those bench seats that they pull out for me when i come down mm-hmm. and back and i stay late to watch david tell go on at the end of the night and watch him wax poetry with things that have nothing to do with his life yeah and i am doubled over laughing so i agree with what those people told you for advice mm-hmm. but this art form has many different incarnations and i truly believe there's the rodney dangerfields and there's the david tells and there's the people who for some reason are able to spit out those those jokes with those word alliterations mm-hmm. Like I was telling uh, Mitch here, one of my producers here, and I also wanna shout out to Marks as well because he's got something that you probably are gonna inspire him because his parents are very successful surgeons uh-huh. and they wanted him to be a doctor in Louisiana and he took the MCATs twice and it didn't go well. Uh-huh. And uh, and now he's out here trying to figure out the comedy. And nice. so I'm I'm fascinated by that. But I, I just
1: wanna get back to that part of it that we were talking about. I mean for me like like I don't see uh I don't see what I'm talking about now and what I've talked about in the past to be the kind and the approach and the joke writing technique and all that to be the kind of uh the hole I'm gonna stay in. It's I, I see my pursuit of the art to be an evolution and that and that's one of the things i wanted to
0: talk to you about that i touched on a little bit in the lobby yesterday Uh because i'm fascinated by this with you because you're one of the few guys who who's done this so quickly Mm -hmm. so for those you don't know his first special you watch his first special thank you china (laughs) yes thank you china and uh and it's it's bright he's wearing a white blazer it's like the material is more like i don't know it's it's less dark Mm -hmm. and then the next special it's like talk about night and day this the set is dark he's wearing dark clothes you can like sometimes you just see a head with hands it's like watching (laughs) mum and and you're like what the is going on here why did he choose to make it so dark and and so and then the material talks about what you went through with your testicular situation Mm. which we'll talk about uh, (laughs) and which some of the jokes from there which i talked about with you just blow me away the one that it's my favorite and i I was great to hear that was one of your favorites was the one where i'm paraphrasing where you said when you lost one of your test testicles the doctors told you don't worry this testicle uh works just as hard as both testicles and will do as good a job as
1: both testicles and you said "Uh, like a single mom, like a single mom (laughs) it's the truth i just thought that was just so incredible (laughs) thank you very much
0: give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrykatz.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it now you said something to me that kind of. so you evolved from one special to the next like it's very rare when you see that quickly a a thing i'm not saying you're not who you are in both specials yes i don't want to give the audience the illusion that it's not you but i noticed more of a difference in those two than i've ever noticed in two first specials in my entire lifetime oh well okay and you tell me
1: if i'm wrong or if you notice a difference that much of a difference in two different no, i think uh i mean you're the the physical the visual observations are very like not easy to make but it that was like the, the first special thank you china <laughs> if i'm thinking about my headspace at the time that was december 2021 when i recorded it i'd I'd been on the road for um i think like seven or eight months at that time and i I knew i just wanted to record in new york at the end of the year and uh that's where i started comedy as my you know hometown i was like i can i know i can sell the most seats in new york and the jokes uh, that i put in that special were jokes that were you know some of them are like five, six years old, but I, you know, when you're crafting the hour, you pull in from a lot of stuff. And I'd use some of those jokes as like kind of the base level or the base jokes, and I built around them and that structured the set. I was like, so it was kind of not easy, but like the last two months of that special being constructed were just me like really tightening the, the bolts on the whole thing. And then in December of 2021, like four days before I was set to record. The special and uh uh like up leading up to the special all the decisions that went into the lighting the the wardrobe and all that i hadn't even thought about you know it was uh like, okay we're gonna shoot something that looks like it are, is already out on netflix because we were trying to position it to sell it to netflix or hbo and when I worked in finance in like 2013, I remember one of my the, one of the founders of the investment bank that I worked for. Whenever we pitched some work, we made the deck look like the the company that we were pitching to made the deck like we put their colors in put their schema their everything was like from them like oh we already own this company and so when we went into that special i was like let's make it i had the people that worked on the special had done like a billion netflix specials already like camera guys the lighting like the wardrobe like those all people that had worked with the, at the highest level so my brain was not focused on those like small decisions and so that I, I don't want to say it wasn't me but it wasn't fully me you know like at the end of the day it's my decision to do whatever happened and that's what i wanted to talk to you about because yeah. that was actually my next question was, i don't
0: know you like you know you yeah but when i watch your material it seems like a guy who makes every little decision on the word economy of the jokes and takes very very special detail on where the jokes are placed and how the format is so you don't seem to be a guy who doesn't have an attention to every detail so how did that slip past you that was just like a
1: it was such it was such a not even at the it didn't even enter my brain as something i needed to care about because it was like okay if the jokes are strong the set is very good um structured almost flawlessly in my opinion uh, uh it should be like who cares what it looks like it's just gonna look like every other special um it's that slipped past me and much to my regret because i watch it and i'm just like man I, I hate the colors i hate the jacket you know my hair looks stupid all of it but you know that that just this is a learning opportunity for so for the next one it was like i'm gonna pay a lot more attention and uh like when i went into making the first one the thought process was i want to fe- i want to make sure we get what it looks like what it feels like when i'm live i want you to know what it's like when i'm live and that was not a ch- accomplished there so for the second one for lucky lefty i was a lot more conscious of what needs to happen and what it would be like if you ever saw me at any show in at a bar show in new york bar matchless which is where i used to run a show with che and, and mike denny um michael che michael che of, of snl and our friend mike denny um it looked a little a lot more like that it looked like okay it's just a random monday night in williamsburg i'm gonna pull up in slightly elevated black jeans and slightly elevated black t-shirt and slightly elevated sneakers and we're just gonna have fun and i'm gonna go around and it's gonna be very bare bones because that's where i cut my teeth doing comedy and that was like a much stronger decision but it's also very simple to make that decision like yes yeah, black everything i'm just gonna wear all black like i want you to focus on what i'm talking about which is my balls and uh oh, let's have nothing else be the focus and this is another thing just to
0: make a comment on that special and the material mm-hmm. about the balls uh-huh. obviously in your lifetime when you hear people doing jokes about their cash and prizes Mm -hmm. the first thing you say to yourself is oh man i mean christ it's you know it's pretty easy to to get a laugh when you're talking about your balls but couldn't even believe how smart I mean, the your I can't believe I'm talking like that, but you're like balls were just like a minor seemingly. It was the name of the special, but it seemed like it's just a premise that led off to like, it reminded me of how Shandling just had the premise that, you know, Judd a lot of times would, would put a p- fourth for him mm-hmm. and he would have that yellow pad and he would just write so much intelligent stuff for that premise uh-huh. and that's and your premise of the special again what aziz told you and what chris probably told aziz was talk about what only you know yeah well you and tom green uh-huh. and uh, i don't think tom green has figured out
1: how to put it to music as well as you have yet <laughs> well you know when i started so the whole incident i would say or the whole like situation of finding out i had cancer to the surgery took four days five days and It it's a thursday night my balls hurt tuesday surgery so is it a i
0: can't believe i'm talking about it but is it a feeling that you woke up with like i haven't
1: had this feeling before and i got a Or was it something you felt? No, I was. I was. It was just. I was out with my sister, my wife. You know, like I say in the special, I was. I was drunk, and it was two o'clock in the morning when I get back to my apartment, and my balls hurt. And I'm like, if I'm drunk, I shouldn't be feeling this pain because I'm drunk, and alcohol is really good at subduing pain. So something feels awry, and I have very good insurance. So let's go to the hospital, and that was really it. And it was on a lark that I went because I was. I had ignored. A pain like that for a while like throughout the week Um, but I assumed it was a hernia surgery like a hernia so I was gonna need surgery because I had had a hernia before but I know that you can delay that shit or at least I thought you could delay it so I was like let me just wait but then that night I was like something feels off let me go so right when it happened like right after everything happened and while everything was happening I was taking a lot of notes but I also knew that it would be easy to make a lot of easy dick and ball jokes right like like you said like it it's relatively easy to to make puns and all that kind of shit and you know when i started you know like It was probably like an hour, hour and 10 long. Um, But I knew that I was going to cut away so much of the easy ball puns and how many... I made like a billion of them. So I'm like tired of them. Uh, I got tired of them very quickly. And... Tell us uh, one joke. Don't lose
0: your place. Uh Tell us one joke when you were constructing the special. Uh Tell us one joke that was on the line that you chose to put in the special Uh and one joke that was on the line that crossed the line into okay this is a little hacky i'm Uh taking this one out Um, uh
1: that's hard to think about now i'd have to i'm trying to remember all the jokes in the hour uh i think like the one uh the one that um i wanted to i was gonna cut but i was like you know i think it's just a good opening salvo was the uh uh, the joke where I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but my therapist told me to grow a pair, <laughs> and it was just like it just feels like light. It was like here, let me just set the tone because to me that's a tone setter. It's gonna be it's gonna be silly. I'm gonna be stupid with it. You'll inevitably hear at least one or two ball puns. Um, uh, I have to. It's like I can't not. And then the, another one's like uh, I'm. I had definitely had low hanging fruit as a punchline or something. And I was like, that's easy. So let me get rid of that. Um, but for the most part, like when I went into it, I was very cognizant of the material it was like a siren song to make all these dick and ball jokes you know like but i didn't want to go in that direction i was like i kind of want to elevate the dick and ball joke to a slightly higher level like the step the the single mom uh
0: so just so another thing about your process that i'm fascinated about is and i don't know if you feel like all comics do this or not so i want you to share with the audience so you do the special and there's the pardon the pun the low-hanging fruit jokes Uh so there's probably 20 to 30 minutes of jokes that you don't put in the special yeah when you go out to the clubs or you do your material like after the special comes out and you're like oh i got a tour and i got to give these people something that's different from the special Mm -hmm. do you go into that next personal appearance in the theater and do the 20 minutes that you didn't do in the special even though you know you're never going to do it
1: again no it's gone forever that's gone forever i don't even know what they are they're out of my brain like even the the special i can if i were to start it i could probably do it again like the the lucky lefty one or the thank you china one if i like get like reawaken that brain muscle memory but for the most part once it's on once it's on tape they're out i can't i I refuse to do them
0: the dreamers they have all to gain. It's never quite over till it all feels the same. Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever.